You're listening to Reach, a podcast created for professional bloggers to help you expand your reach and maximize your bottom line. I'm your host, Val Geisler, fellow blogger and marketer at ConvertKit. Turning your blog from passion to profit as quickly as possible is a goal many bloggers have. But most of us are stuck wondering how to make that happen, and we spin our wheels with new ideas and directions trying to make it work. Caitlin Basher took a more strategic approach and was able to monetize her blog to the tune of multiple six figures in under 18 months. Caitlin is the founder of Fab Facebook Groups, where she teaches infopreneurs how to host profitable Facebook groups. She also runs her blog at CaitlinBasher.com. In this conversation, Caitlin shares why you shouldn't be the one to choose what subject to be an expert in, her professional thoughts about how involved you should be in social media, and exactly how to build a profitable blog fast. Now, today's episode is a special one, as this is the last of our season. That's right, we're wrapping things up after 20 action-packed and inspirational episodes, so you can get down to the work of putting all of these tips into place in your own business. So remember, if you find yourself feeling inspired by today's interview and want to impact your own reach right away, get our free action guide from this episode at convertkit.com slash reach, or just click the link in your podcast player. Now let's find out how Caitlin Basher achieved her reach. Hi, Caitlin. Thanks for being here on the Reach Podcast. Oh, yes. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, I'm really excited to get a chance to talk to you. I know you and I have exchanged some emails and I've been a part of your Facebook group for a long time. So it's nice to put a voice with a name. (laughs) It's a little different than a face with a name, but I've enjoyed getting to know you and I'm excited to introduce you to the Reach audience. But I actually have a question before we talk about what you do now, and that is, what you were doing when you started your blog. It's always fascinating to me, Mm. you know, where people come from, because there's this myth of an overnight success. And while certain programs or products or launches might turn someone into what seems like an overnight success, it's usually like I've I've heard from almost every single reach (laughs) guest, hey, I've been doing this for like six years, 10 years, um, (laughs) you know. So tell us a little bit about the beginnings of starting your blog, why you started it, what it looked like at the time. And and then we'll talk about what you do now. Well, I started my blog because I was interested in social media consulting. So my background is actually social media management. And I was freelancing as a social media manager for a while. And then I decided that I wanted to move into more of a consulting or coaching role. And I knew that in order to do that, I had to start working on my own social media and my own blog and drive traffic to that. And so, so I started my blog and right off the bat, just, you know, focused primarily on social media. And I began posting regularly to that blog in January of 2015. So really not all that long ago, but certainly not two months ago. Right. (laughs) At this point, that's at least a year and a half, not a little longer, mm-hmm. that you've been posting to your blog. And what were the what were the results like at the beginning? Did you had you had you built up an email list? Did you have followers in another capacity that you kind of brought with you from some of your freelance stuff? Or were you really starting from scratch at that point? So in January 2015, I was starting from scratch. So I had zero email list and I'd never 
composed an email list for any clients before. So I didn't know any of the tech behind it. I didn't know anything, but I knew it was something that I needed. And I know how important it is to drive my social media traffic to my website and get people to opt in for my list. So I, I mean, I just started that like right away. (laughs) I mean, there's so many free tutorials out there where you can kind of learn how to DIY it yourself. Like, I mean, the first, the first month of business, I made about $200. (laughs) That was January, 2015. I had one person (laughs) book me (laughs) based on kind of what they had seen on my Instagram feed. But yeah, I mean, we, I definitely, definitely started from scratch. I had, I did not have a social media presence or an email list prior to that. What I did have was a lot of experience building audiences for other clients. So that wasn't something that I had to learn how to do. I already knew how to do that and was able to implement everything that I had done for my former clients to my new business. Yeah, I think that that's huge, that one-on-one experience. You know, there's this, especially in the world, I mean, you now live in this world of building courses and mm-hmm. building a, a very successful course-based business. And a lot of people starting out might look at that and go, okay, Caitlin, can you just teach me how to like, just build courses? I don't I don't want to do one-on-one work. I don't want to do mm-hmm. any freelancing. What would your advice be there? Because you did have pretty long track record of working on this in this same capacity just for other people. Yeah. So, I mean, I will say that prior to 2015, my social media management freelancing career was based on referrals. So I didn't have like, I didn't referrals being like personal referrals. So I didn't Mm -hmm. have people getting to know me through my email list or through my blog or social media that way. But when I started in January of 2015, doing the one-on-one work, I found it to be a very easy transition into online courses because, because I, I was doing so much client work. So pretty quickly, I went from, you know, just starting out in January to, you know, by the time I, by the time March rolled around, I was already booked out months in advance with client work. But as, and I realized those results are not typical, but as I said before, I already had the experience of doing that for other people in my freelancing career. So, so I knew what I was doing with my own business kind of from the get-go. And so if it appears, so it might appear to some that it was an overnight success because, you know, I started in January, was booked out by March, had my first five-figure month by June. Like those numbers sound a little bit crazy, but you have to remember that I, I'd already been doing that for other people. So I nearly took the same strategies that I was using for other people and applied it to myself. But I was, I mean, I was starting from zero. Yeah, that, that experience behind you is a crucial element that I think we, we try to skip over. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we find out about like, oh, I know something you, you focused on a lot early on was Instagram specifically. Mm -hmm. So someone's like, oh, I like Instagram. Never run it for someone else. Never done it for you know. As uh, I've never made money doing it. Yeah. But I'm gonna I'm gonna base my entire blog, my entire <laughs> you know new course I'm launching all on how to grow your business on Instagram. And almost um, they're almost like teaching it while they're doing it. Yes. 
And I think there's so much value in what you did of having that experience and teaching what you know, not teaching what you're doing. Yeah. And the thing is that like every everyone has something that they know that is worth teaching. It might not be what you want to teach like for the rest of your life. <laughs> I certainly, when I started teaching Instagram, I did not imagine myself to be only teaching Instagram for the next 10 years. But I knew that that was where my talents were, that I had done that for other people. I was doing it for myself and I was able, I felt confident in teaching other people how to do that. So I think that's something to keep in, to keep in mind too, is you can still, you can still learn for yourself other things, right? Like, I mean, I know for me, I had to learn a lot about, you know, webinars, email marketing, Facebook advertising, you know, lots of other things that I didn't have experience with. And so even though I was interested in those things, I wasn't, I wasn't yet prepared to teach those things <laughs> because I hadn't done it. It's funny because there was someone in my Facebook. So I have right now I'm working with my existing students in a, in a course that teaches people how to make money with Facebook groups. And one of my students in my course group asked if she said, you know, it seems like Facebook groups are kind of a good niche to be in. Do you think that I should become an expert in Facebook groups? (laughs) And I said, well, are you an expert in (laughs) in Facebook groups? You know, this is this idea of choosing what to be an expert in is just sort of like a one-way ticket to people labeling you as a fraud, like, um, you know, unfortunately. And so the more the more that I, uh, you know, I talked with with this student of mine, the more she began to share what her experience was, and she had loads of experience. She was, you know, in the process of building a virtual assistant business and had tons and tons of tech experience to back that up. And so, you know, we came up with a plan for her to start start a Facebook group where she would be able to to get clients for her VA services and sell her course for those people that could not afford her VA services but kind of wanted to do it themselves. So by no means, you know, it was her was her question like wrong or shameful or bad or anything like that, but it's just that I think a lot of people have this idea in their head that they that they get to choose what they're an expert in. And it doesn't really work that way. Yeah, it's like you have to let the expertise choose you almost. Kind of, um, and, yeah. Or just, and like look at, the, look at the, the breadcrumbs along your path, right? Exactly. Like look at, look at where you are right now, right? Like what are you capable of teaching right now? And I think the problem that a lot of people have is that we often discount the things that we're really good at because they're easy for us right? So it's like, well, why would someone want to learn this? This is like so easy for me to do. Like I'm, and you just assume that it is easy for other people when that is not the case. Um, And so I think that that is something to sort of be cognizant of when you're determining what it is that you want to blog about, create courses on, be seen as an expert in. Don't discount those things that that come naturally to you and that people, you know, always compliment you on. And you kind of brush it off like, oh, well, yeah, like I've always done that. But it, right. but it doesn't come easy to everyone. So there's that element. And then the other one that is you kind of mentioned before, and Joshua Becker talked about it on the show recently, that you have to 
you have to have a passion behind what you're teaching or what you're blogging about. Mm -hmm. Because if you don't, if it's there as a, hey, this seems like a really popular topic (laughs) and I can make some money off of it. Mm -hmm. There's like that energy out there. of Like it has to make money for you Mm -hmm. and you lose the you lose the interest. It's why it's what is it? 81 percent of bloggers never make a single make a hundred dollars. Oh, wow. I didn't even know that. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, I think that that's the stat is 81 percent of bloggers never make a hundred dollars because they stop blogging Mm -hmm. because they lose interest in the topic so so there's a little bit of that element too like you you mentioned you had an interest in instagram so you started talking about that early and often Mm -hmm. and then we're able to build other things on top of that exactly okay so this is like i could talk about this particular thing for a a long time (laughs) um, especially especially with you because you you do have the experience to back it up of of having that done that work so let's play a little game if you will with me um i you said everyone has something to teach Mm -hmm. and and i wonder if you have dug into like what are some of the the really like niche topics that you've seen oh yeah um or maybe you're even discovering with some of your course students Mm -hmm. that they that the that people can teach on and there's an audience for that topic. Yeah, absolutely. It's funny because so, you know, I, I sold my course is now closed, but my, um, I did sell an Instagram course. I'm always interested in understanding how other Instagram course creators, um, position their course. Right. Cause like, of course, you know, Instagram for creative entrepreneurs, that's like a dime a dozen, like everyone's doing that. But there's some really interesting ways that people are positioning their Instagram courses. And there's one woman, uh, her name is Jamie Dana or Donna, I'm not sure how to spell her last name, but she teaches an Instagram course for hairstylists. So Mm. how this came about was um, she has, you know, her own salon, and she uses Instagram as a tool to get people to, you know, to come into her salon and book appointments. And it ended up being very profitable for her. Now she had a couple choices. She could have either, you know, looked around and been, been like, well, you know, I don't, I don't actually want to turn anyone away. I'm nervous about turning money down. And so I'm just going to make a really broad Instagram for a business course. But she didn't do that. She got really specific and honed in on her expertise. So if you think about that for a minute, if you're a hairstylist, I'm sure if you took a, you know, generalized Instagram for business course, you, there would, much of the content would not apply to you. And you would have a lot of specific questions left over that kind of had to do with exactly how to market your brick and mortar hair salon. Uh, And so what Jamie did, I think was really brilliant and frankly took a lot of courage to kind of say, you know, I'm actually going to ignore all of these other people that might benefit from my course and focus on this one niche that I'm confident that I can serve because I've done it myself. I think that's so genius. And it's a big niche still. Totally. Like people think you have to niche down super. Had she been like for hairstylists between the ages of 20 and 30 who live in New Jersey, mm-hmm. then that's a really small group of people who can take her course. Yeah. But hairstylists is still a really big group of people mm-hmm. and and still specific enough that she can um, she can speak to, to their needs 
And she's a hairstylist. She gets to talk about stuff that is important to her. Exactly. And she didn't. And uh, I think a lot of people struggle with, well, does that mean I have to like set up a new account, a new email list, a new blog for this or that? And the truth is that she already, because her Instagram account was already stunning and because she was a hairstylist, she naturally, of course, she attracted many customers that would then, uh, you know, pay for her hairstyling services. But in in addition, she attracted tons of people that were hair salon operators. And so, you know, they would stumble upon her account and be like, wow, like this is something really aspirational. I want my account to look like this. And so they would start to follow her. So it was sort of like, it was kind of a a seamless process in that way. I do believe that, you know, she invested in Facebook ads and things like that, but she already, she already had an organic following, which honestly, that kind of happened to me too. Like I remember when I first started selling my social media courses, it made me feel a little bit weird because I had a lot of other people that were social media consultants and other people that sold social media courses buying my social media courses. And so at first I was like, what? Like, oh no, you know, like, like this was my first time selling online courses. So like I had no idea what to expect. And, and frankly, it made me a little bit nervous, you know, like, oh, are they going to copy me? Are they going to do this? Are they going to do that? When actually that's like a big market to capitalize on. And so once I really embraced that and, and understood that, Hey, like why in the world would I turn down, you know, a social media manager or a social media consultant, or even someone who sold Instagram courses, who wanted to take my course to learn something new? Like, so what? Like, I'll take their money, <laughs> you know? Like well, this- and everyone does things differently. Yeah, so exactly. they they could even take some of your content mm-hmm. and recreate it in their own course. And it's going to come across completely differently. Totally. Not to mention the fact that, you know, it's kind of woo-woo to talk about, but like yeah. that energy of recreated content from somebody else, like people feel that oh, yeah, and they yeah. go, ah, wait, this doesn't feel like you. Yeah. 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 Well, you have definitely positioned yourself really uniquely in all the things you've done. And it's, you mentioned that f- the for creative entrepreneurs kind of subtitle is mm-hmm. is a pretty broad niche but you've managed to to make that very clear what what else about your brand do people need to know as they're getting to know you because you know creative entrepreneurs can cover a lot yeah. of a lot of different areas so so what kind of creative entrepreneurs do you speak to and what and how has speaking to them specifically impacted the reach that you have? So the um, the people that I serve right now are people who create online courses, who blog, who are consultants or coaches who are interested in creating courses, but they're all people that are really interested in becoming an infopreneur or are already infopreneurs. So it's all, I have a lot of students, you know, that are like starting an online course business from scratch. And I have many others that are, they already have online course businesses and they're just kind of learning how to 
how to sell more of their existing courses. But I think my expertise is that because I've done it myself. So again, like I'm not teaching, I'm not teaching hairstylists how to, (laughs) you know, how to use Instagram. I'm teaching people that sell courses, how to use Instagram. And I'm teaching them how to build Facebook groups and how to sell more through social media and all of that. And I think it's important for me to focus on that niche because, because that's, because exactly, you know, for all the reasons that we talked about, that's where my expertise is. So down the line, if I want to, you know, start offering mastermind groups or, you know, any, anything that would be like, you know, a higher level, higher touch point than online courses, it would have to be in with something that I have experience doing. And, and I don't really, I don't really see myself as a creative entrepreneur. Like I just, that, that doesn't really, that title doesn't really like ring true with me. I do feel creative, but I think that I don't know. I I think that term has just become like so incredibly broad and people have this fear of leaving anyone out. And so when I ask them, like, what do you mean by creative entrepreneur? They're like, coaches, consultants, handmade business owners, artists, um, designers, like, you know, it's like, what? Everyone. (laughs) Actually (laughs) insane. (laughs) That's everyone. (laughs) Yeah, I like that you get as specific as course creators. Mm -hmm. Do you find people come to you and they are in that service providing area still that they're they're freelancing, they're service providers, they're doing for others? And do you say like, hey, this might not be a great fit? Or what is what does that conversation look like? Yeah, well, on my I mean, my sales page, it literally says like, if you sell a physical product, this is not for you. Like, do not buy this. (laughs) Do not buy Mm. this if you sell a physical product. If you, if you sell digital products or if you are plan on selling digital products, you know, within the next three months, like this is perfect for you Yeah. because there's like, and the thing is like, there is overlap, right? So could a person who sells physical products purchase my Facebook group course or whatever and get value from it? Yeah, they could. But I want to attract students who will get the most value from it. And the people that will benefit from my courses the most are other people who sell courses. Mm -hmm. I want to ask you about this concept of being everywhere mm-hmm. um, because you you certainly especially in social media are in a lot of places yeah. and and yet you do it all very intentionally at least mm-hmm. that's how it comes across and and I'll let you speak to that a little bit more but something we're focusing on here at ConvertKit is doing less and doing it better mm-hmm. so do less comma better mm-hmm. right and finding those places that really make an impact for us and what we want people to to know us for and to to know like oh ConvertKit helped me do that mm-hmm. and I learned from them about this thing can you talk about the dichotomy of being a social media yeah. pro and and also like saying no to certain areas of it. Yeah, I mean, I think it's I think first of all, when you're just starting out and when you're a one-person team, it's absolutely essential that you focus on one or two platforms. And when I was first starting out and when I was when I had no team and I was doing everything myself, I absolutely had my focus was Facebook group, my own Facebook group and my own Instagram account. Like those were the two things 
that I really focused on. Now, as my business grew, I was able to then hire. So now I have a social media manager. I have a Facebook ads manager. I have someone who does all of my, um, you know, does all my custom stock photography and all of this, right? But it didn't start out that way. So 18 months ago, I was doing everything everything myself, which is why it was so important that I really that I really narrowed in on one or two platforms. And with a team in place, then of course you are able to kind of scale that out. And like I know for me, I already have, because of my experience at social media management. I have experience in growing audiences on all these different platforms. And so when I hire someone, I'm able to say, Hey, this is my, this is my typical strategy. Like what I do, you know, like if you have any like input into how you would make that better, go for it. Like, I definitely don't want to micromanage anyone. Like I want everyone to feel like, you know, they have the freedom to do what they do best, but like, you can't, You can't look at someone like me who has a big following on Snapchat, Instagram, Pinterest, Twitter, Facebook, my Facebook group, my email, like all these things, right? (laughs) All of them. You can't, you can't do that if you don't have a team, right? Mm -hmm. However, like, I don't want that to be an excuse and stop some people from trying to be everywhere because you can be everywhere, but just not at the beginning. (laughs) So like, don't mm-hmm. think, well, well, Caitlin can do that because she has a team. Well, that's true, but I didn't at the beginning. You know, I didn't have a team for the first eight months of my business. And I gradually built out to what is now like an eight-person an eight person team, but it didn't start out that way. Um, it was just me. It was just me working five hours a day because that was the time frame that I had when my daughter was in preschool. <laughs> um, me working five hours a day and, of course, many hours after that, when she was asleep. Yeah. But yeah. So. All of us mamas know that hustle. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> totally. So, so, and I think it's important to say too that you don't have to have a team either. No, Even if you don't 18 want months, 24 months longer later. Mm-hmm. If you love the two platforms you're on, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I think about Alexandra Franzen and Paul Jarvis, and mm-hmm. they're like, I'm not on Facebook, although I think Paul maybe showed up on Facebook at some point recently. <laughs> but, you know, they're very successful mm-hmm. entrepreneurs with sold out everything's for years to come. Totally. And they're, I think Alexandra even recently left Twitter. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, you focus on what matters most to you yeah. because that's where the joy is. Yes. Yeah. So as a social media manager, having done that in, you know, a couple of years ago, and then as someone who has hired repeatedly mm-hmm. and people to do that for you what would be what would your tips be to someone who is listening and going okay I'm ready to do that I'm ready mm-hmm. to bring someone on where do they start and I think you already gave one which was like hey I don't want to micromanage you, <laughs> you I'm hiring a pro here mm-hmm. um, but can you give some other like key tips in in hiring a social media manager yeah I mean I think the first the first thing to do is, you know, ask ask people that are a level or two above where you are. You know, you you definitely don't you don't want to be you don't want to ask people who are at the same business level as you who they're using because you want to move forward in your business. So you want to start you want to reach out to people who are outperforming you, <laughs> not necessarily in your own niche, but you know, in a compatible niche. And just reach out to them and ask them 
who who they're using. That's how I found my social media manager. And then I I met other members of my team through, honestly, a lot of them were students in my courses and they were just like really awesome. And so (laughs) I was like, hey, like you should totally come work for me. Yep. (laughs) But I think that, I think the problem that a lot of people have in hiring out is that they see, they see all of the, they see their revenue as all of their money. So they see it as like all the money coming in is my money. And so if I hire someone, I'm actually losing money. When that money doesn't actually belong to you, that's your business money. So you're paying yourself like a salary, which even if you're like making, even if on the surface, you're making lots of money, if you're smart, you're not keeping all that money for yourself. You're setting aside a great deal of that to invest back into the business. And that investing in people who will do the best job will help you grow really fast. And I see a lot of people in Facebook groups, you know, posting ads like, hey, I'm looking for an affordable copywriter or who can design my website for under $1,000 or whatever. And to me, that's just like, that's a waste of money. And it's better, it's better to think of who is the best person for this job as opposed to who is the, who is the cheapest person for, for this job. Yeah. And if it's, if cheap is the only option right now, then maybe it's not to be discussed right now. Yeah, maybe you know, just maybe it it's like, <laughs> yeah. And, and you need to put that thousand dollars that you had set aside for your cheap mm-hmm. website designer and say, put it into a savings account that's earmarked as, you know, for my website and just keep plugging into that savings account. Or, you know, a friend of mine has this like concept of, well, I only have to sell one of my courses to pay for that, you know, social media manager Mm -hmm. next month or whatever, or to pay for my next round of Facebook ads or Mm -hmm. like... She just flew to Paris for a month and she's like, I sold two of my courses and <laughs> bought a bought a plane ticket yeah. with it, you know? So I like that idea too of figuring out what it takes to to get what you actually need instead of looking at what you have and trying to fit what you need inside of that. Yeah. Cool. Caitlin, I want to talk about blogging because okay. you have a blog that is full of resources and and you're really right. Do you blog once a week or more, more than once a week? Oh, definitely not more than once a week. Okay. <laughs> yeah, once a week at the most, anywhere between once yeah. a month and once a week. Okay, cool. But what you do have on your blog is it's evergreen for the most part. Mm-hmm. It's incredibly valuable. And I mean, you you provide you provide value and I, I get your emails. So I know you even have, you know, people who take what they write on what you write on the blog and put it into action in their business, they've never paid you a cent for any of your courses and they get results, which is that speaks so highly of your blog content. And I'd love to talk about the idea of giving it all away for free Mm -hmm. and what impact that's had on you. So I think that there's two things to talk about with that. Like, first of all, you know, there are some people that do have a real scarcity mindset and they do they are nervous about giving away everything for free because they feel like, well, why would anyone, if I'm, you know, sharing this, this, and this, why would someone pay me to learn how to do this, this, and this? And so that's, that's one thing. The other problem though, that I see, which is honestly, even a, a bigger problem is that 
people aren't sure of like what types of free content they should be sharing. So I think, you know, you can definitely, like I'm a giver, right? And so when I first started my business, I was like, I'm just like given everything. Like I'll teach you how to do this and this and this, whatever. And I was happy to give, you know, give advice on Periscope, on Twitter, like what, whatever, even though I did not have a paid product like tied in with that. And so I think that a big kind of learning point for me was figuring out how to give value on my blog, but how to be very, very strategic about that so that people actually buy my paid products. <laughs> it's kind of like when, you know, like, like when you have a, like a Facebook group, right? So like people are in their, in, they have a face, their own Facebook group and they're in there like posting all the time. They're like posting three or four times a day. They're doing live streams. They have daily prompt, like they're hyper-focused on engagement. And like, I just want to, you know, I just want to get lots of engagement and give lots of value. And I'm like, you know, and I'll say, why, why do you want to do that? And they're like, well, because I really want to position myself with this authority, like blah, blah, blah. It's like, okay. And why do you want to do that? And then like, after, you know, they give me like every single reason, finally we get to the real reason, which is that they want to make money. (laughs) And, and so I think that focusing on that, on how to build a profitable blog is to me, like kind of where your attention should be. Because if you're focused on, you know, how to get like, how to get more Twitter shares, how to get more Pinterest shares, how to get more this or that. It's like, yeah, all of these, those things are great. Those are like individual things that can be awesome. And yeah, they can have an effect on your total revenue and blah, blah, blah. But like, what is your big plan here? Like if you're, if you're focusing on those things, because that you, you believe that they will lead to profits. Okay. That's well and good. But like, but that's just like one little thing. So like, what is your, like, you know, what is your whole, what is the whole plan? Like, what are, you know, what are you, what are you doing? Why are you, when you're hopping on live stream, you know, in your Facebook group, like, why are you doing that? Just to say hi and hang out with your, with your group. Like, okay, that's fine. And yeah, they may like you, but just because someone likes you doesn't mean that they're going to buy from you just because you can share, like, there's this idea that people have that where they really think that if they share tons and tons of free value, that people will automatically buy. And that's just not the case. Like, yes, it is absolutely important to share, give free value, you know, to position yourself as an authority and build trust and all of that. But like, but you have to learn how to sell also. So it's like you you really have to balance those two things, right? Because you don't want to go too far into the selling direction and offer little value, but then you don't want to be offering tons of value and and forgetting to sell, right? Because it's like we're not in the bit we're not building a club here. We're we're running a business. We're trying to make money. And so I think like really embracing that and not being so afraid to like go in for the sale and have confidence that what you're selling is good. Like that's your good, that's your premium stuff. Like you're, you're actually being selfish by, by holding back and being like, oh no, I'm going to give you all this free stuff, but my premium, my premium stuff that will help you the most, like, I'm not going to share that with you because I feel uncomfortable. That's selfish. Like get over that, (laughs) you know, like your people need you out there and you're not, you're not doing a good job of serving them because you feel uncomfortable to sell, like that's your problem. Like you got to, you got to move past that. 
we get stuck on the, but everyone has to know, like, and trust me. That's what yes. we hear over and over mm-hmm. and over again as business owners. Yeah. The know, like, and trust factor. Right. But there is that fourth element mm-hmm. of you have to sell. Yeah. Yeah. And if you you got to. Otherwise, it's a hobby. Yeah. And if you don't know how to do that, that's okay. Hire someone that can either do it for you, like a copywriter or something like that, you know, that can help you with maybe your email sales copy or whatever, or take a course and learn how to do it or whatever. But like, that is an integral part. So like, you're not just having people know, like, and trust you. Like, that's that's not enough. How did you learn to integrate sales into your business? Is it something you've always come across naturally? Did you hone it as a freelancer? What, um, what did you do? Well, like I know for me, I initially really uh, struggled with it because when, you know, growing up as a little girl, I was taught, you know, that I should not be too assertive, that I should not be confident, especially if it makes, you know, others feel badly about themselves. Like, right. Like heaven forbid, I feel good about myself and, and actually told someone that I was good at something like, oh my God, right? Like that's like mm-hmm. the worst thing that you could do. <laughs> and I know that lots of people out there have experienced the same thing, right? Like constantly being told over and over again that we have to make ourselves appear less than so that others aren't threatened. Like, like when you're experiencing that over and over, it really takes its toll. And so it's just, I mean, first of all, like we're not like we're not little girls anymore <laughs> and we can, <laughs> yeah. we can choose to discard those beliefs because if they're no longer serving us and uh, like I, that's kind of what I had to do. You know, nobody, nobody likes a limp handshake, right? It's like gross. It feels disgusting <laughs> and nobody wants to be sold too hesitantly. Like when I get a sales email from someone that's like a really good, bold, like selling, you know, all in sales email, Like, I love it. Like, I get so excited to read that, even if it's not a product that I'm going to buy, because like, it feels good, right? Someone is, someone is confident in their selling. But if, but sometimes I get these sales emails where it's just like, eh, like maybe you want to buy, it's just so like hesitant. And I'm just like, oh God, like, please don't like, don't do this. It's like, if you've ever been shopping in like a small boutique versus like a big box store like the mall or something Mm -hmm. when you're in a small boutique they will at least i've had this experience in a few here in my town they'll um take a shirt off the rack and say like hey i just i noticed your style and i totally i thought this shirt would be amazing on you Mm -hmm. can i put it in a fitting room for you to try on Mm -hmm. and you're like yeah sure like that's (laughs) great (laughs) right versus the can i help you find anything yeah it's like well i don't know yeah (laughs) yeah exactly Uh, there's that the the trick that I have taken on is to like get just get more confident with myself and not even just sales specifically, but that whole like being big thing, mm-hmm. <laughs> being a big girl yeah. is, oh gosh, I read it in Shonda Rhimes' Year of Yes. Mm-hmm. And she said, like, she's sick and tired of when somebody says, hey, I like your pants, that she would be like, oh, these, they were $5 at Target, yeah. you know? She just says, thank you. Just say thank you mm-hmm. when someone compliments you. And it's so empowering. It helps you be confident in yourself. And then you feel like you can go out and 
and make bigger asks. You can um, you can be bolder in your life, whether it's in sales, in you know taking a particular stance on your blog, in anything that you do, just by being bold in even just something as small as accepting compliments. Yeah, those little things really add up in your everyday life. Yeah, totally. The other thing that I like to do is kind of, you know, sort of reframe, you know, self-defeating thoughts or whatever into a positive affirmation. So if you're feeling like, you know, I'm wor- I'm worried that people will think my products are too expensive. You can reframe that into, um, you know, I will attract people who are excited to, who are excited to buy my products and think they're a steal, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and just kind of like, saying those things to yourself, like writing them down and reading them to yourself every day, like that, it really does start to have an effect. I'm not like a vision board person or like anything like that. Like I'm not like, I'm all about like science and results and all of that. But that is like real science. (laughs) Like if you, you know, if you study like cognitive behavioral therapy or anything like that, like, you know, that like, it's completely possible to reframe reframe your thoughts and therefore your experience. Have you seen that Apple experiment? No. Not the brand, but with the fruit. No. Where it's a, they take two different apples and they say nothing but nice things to one apple and nothing but mean things to the other apple. And um, the apple that they say nothing but mean things to rots faster than... <laughs> Yeah. And they're like in a perfectly sterile, same environment. And, you know, <laughs> right. It's just like, that's amazing yeah. that our our words and our thoughts have such an impact on us. And it's, it's physical. It's, you know, it's there. It's in the apple. It's in you. Yeah. Yeah. So Caitlin, biggest tip that you would leave others who are, you probably leave this all over your Facebook group all the time when people ask you, like, how do I achieve the reach that you have, Caitlin? Mm-hmm. What do I, what do I do to start my journey or to, to kickstart what I'm doing? Mm-hmm. Um, what's your biggest tip that you give over and over again? I feel like over and over again, I tell people to really like find their niche, like really identify what it is that you're good at and go sell it. <laughs> like, I mean, I, I don't really know. I, that's what I would say. Like, what are you good at? What does everyone tell you that you're good at? What comes naturally to you? Go teach someone how to do that and make money. I mean, that's like, that's it. That's like, it. You know, that's yep. whatever. And that is your guiding principle, right? So whatever you post on Twitter or Instagram or on your blog or whatever, it should all be related to that one thing that you're good at. So like if you teach, you know, if you teach people how to make vegetarian meals, I don't want to see something on your blog that tells people how to like write a better email. You know what I mean? Yep. Yep. Yeah. Don't do what everyone else is doing because it's successful yeah. for them, but do what yeah. will be successful for you. Totally. Yeah. That's the hard, that's the hard work though. It is. <laughs> yeah. It's freaking hard. Uh, to find that focus. <laughs> I mean, that's why most people fail because it is, it is hard. Yeah. And a, like a good part of it is just like pushing through, you know, pushing through all the crap that we have in our heads. It's like holding us back and, you know, making us fearful or uncertain or whatever. And just being like, all right, like, I'm just, I'm going to do this. <laughs> yep. That's right. And I think that's such a great, great reminder for all of us that, it is the hard stuff that makes the biggest impact and having strategy behind your blog, having those and making it a profitable blog and then turning the blog into and by doing the so you're selling your products that are built around the passion that you have, that that niche that you've identified 
and starting small, picking a couple platforms, growing from there, and um, and then reaping the benefits of all of it uh, as you have. So thank you for sharing those lessons with us today. I really appreciate your yeah, time. That was a really good summary, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for summarizing all of that, because I feel like a lot of times I go off on tangents because I get real excited. But that oh, was no. very good. <laughs> good. Okay. Well, if nobody, if you didn't listen to the rest of the episode, just yeah. hit rewind like an, a minute and and check in there. So yeah, Caitlin, thanks for being here. I really appreciate you in the ConvertKit family and, and being here on the show today. All right. Thanks, Val. That was Caitlin Basher. You can find out more about Caitlin and how you can join the next round of fab Facebook groups at CaitlinBasher.com. Grab our free action guide from this episode to help you impact your own reach today. Head to convertkit.com slash reach or simply click the link provided right in your podcast player. And don't forget, we're wrapping things up after 20 action-packed and inspirational episodes so that you can get down to the work of putting all these tips into place in your own business. So now is the time to get into action. It's time to expand your reach. We're so glad you started here. Thanks for listening.